0: this is the dreadful podcast on tv podcast industries we're back with penny dreadful season 3 episode 7 ebb tide fellow penny faithful we're back with episode seven of our penny dreadful season three rewatch ebb tide i'm one of your hosts derek Hello there, fellow Darklings. I am one of your other horrific hosts, uh,
1: John. (laughs) You're not that horrific. No, I'm not that horrific. I'm actually quite a nice guy in real life.
0: And I know we don't do a video podcast, but you're definitely not horrific.
1: No, exactly.
0: (laughs) I don't look like the creature. Oh, poor John Clare. I know. (laughs) He also doesn't look that horrific. He gets a nice hairdo this time after a couple of years of not seeing her, and you notice that he's really kind of... Getting himself done up to revisit his wife for the first time. Definitely.
1: (laughs) And of course, with growing his hair out long, then he can always comb it over so it hides the the kind of more damaged side of his face exactly yeah exactly
0: <laughs> we're going to jump in with our discussion about ebb tide the seventh episode of season three as you know we've been releasing these episodes over on patreon feed first and then releasing each individual episode over on dreadfulpodcast.com our podcast all about penny dreadful everything over there and then the full discussions in each of our big parts where we talk about episodes seven through to nine we're releasing on tvpodcastindustries.com the home for all of our podcasts thanks so much for joining us throughout this run-through of uh, penny dreadful yeah definitely and thanks for all the support it's it's really been
1: good uh re-watching these these uh episodes mm. and uh sure it's kind of a labor of love as well i think yeah. um but it is all with the lead-up to penny dreadful city of angels out on the 26th of april and mm-hmm. um, and uh yeah really looking forward to seeing how that sort of um takes forward uh the concepts from penny dreadful uh these original three seasons and mm-hmm. um, of course it's going to be very different but uh yeah really looking forward to to getting into that and of course with the current covid crisis <laughs> um i suppose it's one of the few sort of uh, productions that were in the bag ready to go so it is sticking to its schedule uh, mm-hmm. a lot of other stuff that, uh, certainly that we will be covering this year is going to be delayed yeah. through uh the production issues um and the the requirement to you know socially distance uh one another from each other um i <laughs> got a little confused there yeah to okay. social distance effectively yeah. Yeah. and so yeah it's uh it, it's good that this was in the bag and um we can kick on with City of Angels when it comes out uh, towards the end of April.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Now, this is kind of the first retrospective series that we've done, isn't it? We did um, Angel Carter, I think, after the first full season had aired, but we'd never done a series like this where we had gone back through three full seasons of the show and gone through every episode. So, a big undertaking to go through it. So, once again, thank you to our patrons for all of our support and all of our wonderful listeners for listening along with these episodes. I hope you've enjoyed uh, going back to, I suppose, one of the seminal Uh, horror series that's been released exactly
1: and i I think as well for all of those people who maybe didn't ever consider penny dreadful on their radar that they have decided they'll give it a go give Mm -hmm. it a watch and hopefully have enjoyed this the series um at least however far they got into it and have enjoyed the the discussion podcasts that go with it um and maybe are considering City of Angels, um, which they may not have done previously. Uh, But certainly it'll be new episodes um, to be released. So, yes, enough of the um, football uh, rewatch, the rugby union (laughs) rewatches. Yes, all all the repeats that are happening. I think I've seen Red 2, the movie, uh, as well as Sausage Party, (laughs) the movie. And I think there was another one as well. I, I think they have just been on constantly on some of the, uh, network yeah. cable, uh, channels, uh, of late. Yep. And it, it does feel like, uh, being caught in. Groundhog's Day, a bit. It
0: does make it even worse, isn't it? Because you don't know when, what day is Tuesday, and then the same movie that you're watching on Tuesday is back on TV on Thursday or Friday. So he's completely confused as to what's going on. Yeah, definitely. So
1: we should celebrate new work, Mm -hmm. new releases coming out during this time. Absolutely. uh, Given that they may get fewer and farther between depending on how long this, this continues.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Let's get into our discussion about episode seven, Ebb Tide. The episode was directed once again by Paco Cabezas and written by showrunner john logan with staff writers andrew hinderaker and christy wilson cairns uh, all involved in previous episodes of this season of the show and the future episodes of the final season of penny dreadful john do you want to give us the summary for this episode of penny dreadful
1: sure kna has visions of vanessa in danger which prompts malcolm and ethan to travel back to london the creature returns to his wife marjorie and son on the advice of vanessa Lily sends her assembled army of women out to kill, which disturbs Dorian. Meanwhile, Catriona Hartigen helps Vanessa discover that Dracula's identity is Dr. Sweet and tells her he can not be killed when he is in human form. The disturbed Dorian delivers Lily to Victor so that he can administer the serum he has been working on with Dr. Jekyll, as night falls, Vanessa confronts Doctor Sweet at the Natural History Museum, but he convinces her to join him and she succumbs to his
0: bite. Yes, a pretty shocking ending to Ebtide.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. In many ways, um, actually. Really interesting thing. It, it, it really did feel as though Vanessa was just like I am sick to death of this mouse, cat and mouse chase now Mm. at this stage. Um, or it's, you know, we, we've seen her power with the verbis diablo against the the witches. We saw her using it again in the flashback episode, A Blade of Grass. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there is this darkness within her that seemingly, um, you know, she is aligned to the light side, if you will, to God. It feels she's connected to that religion, Mm -hmm. yet. It's as though she is a vessel for evil that is used by the forces of good, in yeah. a sense, to attack the forces of darkness. And uh, but it, it seems as though maybe it's been too much for her body, her mind, the effort to uh, contain this, to be subjected to these attacks. Mm. And it really felt like a sigh of of relief. Mm. And however, despite that. There was also um, an earlier meeting between her and uh, Dr. Hartigan where I felt, you know, uh, Catriona Hartigan says, uh, it's not the time for a warrior Mm -hmm. um, like myself, that it's more like you need to be a spy to Mm -hmm. infiltrate. It felt like she was going down this route um, to infiltrate into uh, Dracula's nest and den so that she can effectively destroy it from within i felt as well and so not just simply oh let's get this over and done with kind of thing but Mm -hmm. it felt like it was a a strategy of hers as well
0: yeah yeah i had commented before that the offer that was coming from lucifer and dracula where they were saying to her you know stand by my side and we will purge the earth effectively of humans uh, those offers felt like they were very odd because it didn't feel like Vanessa would be the type of person that would align themselves with somebody that was going to burn down the earth and kill all the humans. I kind of like Dr. Sweet's offer to her in this episode, which was everybody in the past has wanted you to be something that you're not, to force yourself to be good, to force yourself to be this kind, polite, kind of bidden woman standing by the side of other people. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to live the way you want to live and I will support you. And it felt like a completely different offer almost. And it felt like something that Vanessa would kind of go, actually, I've been fighting for 25 years here to be what everybody else wants me to be. I can be myself with this guy. It almost did feel like a proper acceptance uh, of the offer here, which made more sense as we got to the end of this season than I thought it would actually, uh, first time around. But let's get into our big moments from the episode. As you know, we choose moments that we want to talk about that kind of speaks to the overarching storyline of the season and the big thing that stands out to us from the episodes. John, do you want to kick us off with your big moment from episode seven?
1: Yes, uh, I'll start it with a quote. You are a great fertile bitch of evil. <laughs> um, yes, Ketney of the Hills, to give him his full title, mm-hmm. uh, connects through the spiritual world again on the boat uh, back to London uh, to connect with and visit uh, Vanessa. And I just thought this was really nicely done. Um, I love the fact that we see Vanessa in Sir Malcolm's house in the study, and she senses that there is a spiritual presence there and mm-hmm. um, looks around there's no one turns around again and there is Ketney and I love this interaction uh, between the two and I thought it was really nicely done I love that in Ketney's foretelling he effectively describes not only the dragon he knows of this dragon that um Katrina Hodgson had previously revealed uh, one of the names by which Dracula goes by mm-hmm. but in in his conversation with her he describes um you know the the night that Vanessa seems to have had previously with Dr Alexander Sweet um and her unknown but willing embrace of her adversary, um, here. The Master. And I I love that. You know, he talks about being surrounded by night crawlers gathering uh, around you, and and that these creatures, this surrounding makes you drunk with love. Uh, But don't be deceived. They are false lovers. Mm -hmm. Um, Speaking of the the love scene with uh, the Master, because at that moment, she doesn't know, she didn't know that it was um, Dracula, her adversary, basically. So I, I really like this. I mean, he doesn't effectively tell her, but it is coded speak to her, saying, uh, "Be wary of this." And I think it's it's probably a nice thing that in her then later meeting with Catriona, where it the, the penny finally drops that part of this um, connection, the spiritual connection that Ketney, uh had with Vanessa um, was part of part of the thing that helped her to make those uh, and connect those dots. I think Kayetney as well kind of brings that duality uh, about Vanessa as he's speaking to her. You know, you were made for the day, Vanessa, not the night. It's mm-hmm. that hopeful side. And yet he also says you're the the woman of all our dreams and night terrors. You know, that if she goes willingly, um then we're all knackered basically uh we're doomed yeah. um and you know he he comes out of this uh informing ethan and some Alcum that she is halfway his already we get that great moment where her eyes go red yeah, I see, in, yeah. in that spiritual connection that they have yeah. so again I, I just thought this was really nicely done I, i've loved all these moments with katney where he goes into that spiritual world it, it's really uh great stuff uh mm-hmm. for me I really like, actually, that they use the Native American language here, the Apache, for him and Ethan to have their conversation. Mm -hmm. I I think that's really uh, nicely done. Um, And I I think it's great little touches like that. You know, they don't need to do that. uh, but. I think it really adds something to then the connection between Ethan and Ketney as well, even though, you know, it's not necessarily the most straightforward of um, relationships that these two have, Uh, but certainly uh, I I like that um, connection. So again, this was just really nice and I liked how it sort of uh, foretold the penny dropping with Vanessa. It, it it reveals that moment where she gives herself willingly to the master whilst unknown that
0: he is Dracula. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. I do love that conversation between Ethan and Ketney where Ethan is kind of saying, I'm going back to London now. I'm done. I've had all my fill of of Americans and everything that's happened over there with his family. And he's finally saying, I'm going back over there. Um, And he says his family's dead. His tribe is dead. And his real tribe now is his family over in England. Um, I, I love the discussion because it ends with effectively Ketney saying to him, you may think you're done, but your job here is to fight off all of the darkness and all the demons your job won't be done until all of the demons are gone he has that vision of ethan returning to uh, london and meeting vanessa and we have that great shock moment as the as the vampires are cracking through the windows of the house yeah. uh, where malcolm lived um, exactly it's a really really good good moment between the two of them um, and again showing the foretelling of what ethan is supposed to do he's not supposed to live out a good life with a with a good woman he's supposed to battle the demons until the demons are gone or he is
1: yeah and it's really one of those things where you know we we learn a little bit more about these two where Ketney is saying you know i have claimed you as my own mm-hmm. um you are an apache uh, and i think this is is a really it, it it's that nice touch they're not blood um relatives but there is a connection there and, mm-hmm. and i think as we move forward through these episodes we certainly get that hint of, of, of what that is in yeah. a really uh cool way for me so i yeah i i, I really like this um this connection here. I, I also like. Uh, I have to bring it up. The that Renfield almost gets in a sneaky little snack uh, of on Vanessa mm-hmm. until um, Dracula uh, kind of intervenes uh, to say, uh, uh, "Not on my watch." She's yeah. all
0: my snacks basically <laughs> absolutely i was laughing because uh, in the last episode you discussed about the fact that after dr sweet and vanessa had had sex in the natural history museum that maybe one of the co-workers might arrive the following morning and it wouldn't be very good for uh, for dracula turns out it's renfield that it turns up but he does mention it doesn't he dr sweet actually says you know i've got some tea downstairs we better make ourselves scarce yeah, before exactly. the other employees arrive in so uh, good call john
1: yeah definitely oh. <laughs>
0: Derek, what's your big moment of
1: episode 7?
0: Um, I, I think there's a big choice between one or or, or the other on this yeah. one. Um, but I think Dorian's story with Lily... Is going to come into the next episode, so I'm going to talk about that notes this time because there's some big moments in there. One that I particularly wanted to talk about in this episode was John Clare returning to his family, partly because it did answer the question that I had last episode about the flashback where um, John Clare actually had been an attendant to Vanessa while she was in uh, while she was in the banning clinic, and I'd wondered whether she remembered or or knew that John Clare was the same person as the attendant. So I was quite happy really that there's, they have this wonderfully poignant discussion between vanessa and john Clare, where he's yeah. thinking about maybe going back to his wife but knowing that she may reject him just like his son did when he saw what he looked like and i thought it was a beautiful discussion between the two of them where vanessa questions whether he remembers being the orderly um and says to him you know i personally think that the man who took care of me deserves to be loved he was a beautiful man yeah. and i'd never been treated as well as someone like him i fell in love with him and if your wife loves you as much as I did the attendant or the orderly. Then you should go back to her. I think it's a, a lovely kind of wrapping up of what's happened with the monster for for so many seasons. He's been trying to find his place, and he's been basically given permission from Vanessa to go and refind his place with his family.
1: Yeah, I, I like the fact that she says, "Well, what." harm can it do you feel so sort of devoid of any attachment uh other than her and and him Mm -hmm. uh then make that bold move just ask you've got nothing further to lose if she rejects you then you stay the same where you are if she accepts you then things have changed for the better so make that bold move i really like that um i also thought it was really nice in the it felt connected to the previous episode of with with dr seawood saying you know you need to surround yourself with friends mm. um and katrina hartigan as well so you know that whole idea that dracula uh, predates um on the solitary tries to isolate you and in effect too late she's gone to the right friend uh which is john clare uh he is the right friend at this time that she should have gone to um and instead she went to someone who she didn't know for as long and Mm -hmm. ultimately is the devil in disguise Uh, and so i I really kind of liked that element of this as
0: well yeah, you're absolutely right. That would have been the right person to go to. We've said, you know, Dr. Seward probably gave good advice, but sent her on the wrong path by her going to Dr. Sweet, you know. Uh, but what I did like about this scene is that we do get the follow up. We get John claire going back to Marjorie, his wife. Um, and I love that he tells her the entire story. You get snippets of it from the discussion, but you know that he's told marjorie the entire story about him not being a willing participant and being brought back to life he says to her that uh, he's walked in dark darkness and can never be the same person yeah he is a completely different person than she knew in the past but he still wants to reconnect with her yeah. and, this, and his son jack um and then a beautiful moment as he's reintroduced by marjorie to their son jack preparing him for how terrifying the moment might be and as John Clare slowly reintroduces himself to Jack um we get that lovely moment where Jack touches his hand and then gives him a hug, realizing it is still his father. you know, I think it's a a lovely poignant uh scene that we have here with with John Clare and, and the family reunited
1: yeah th- these are really touching and and they're so well played mm-hmm. um because you are John Clare's had this rejection all his life mm-hmm. um and you are wondering what's his wife going to do but i i I love the fact that, you know, she hugs him yep. and he, and she's accepting. Uh, it, it's really touching. And then to, to top it all off, you know, previously when he, his, um, his son Jack saw his daddy screamed. Yeah. Uh, but this time Jack just comes in and touches his hand, uh, and they hug. Um, I just thought this was so, so good because mm-hmm. John Clare has had rejection after rejection after rejection. Um, after betrayal, effectively uh, in in all his time as uh, the creature, as he's after being reanimated by Victor, yeah. Um, with the exception of Vanessa, and here the the people who you know were his past are, are willing to be their future, even though with with Jack's situation, having um, the the cough you suspect it's not going to be for very long oh, yeah. so even in that there is some tragedy for poor john claire mm-hmm. but he um, wants to be
0: by his boy's side yeah. you know and anything he can do to to help him out he wants to be there for him we, we saw that even when his son was screaming when he saw him for the first time he was saying i will steal medicine if it keeps you uh maintained you know um v- very importantly, you need to underline here that Marjorie's reaction to his full story, even though he's told them, told her about all of the pain that he's gone through, her reaction is praise for Victor Frankenstein for bringing him back to their family. Um, and he's, he's kind of shocked at the idea that she would praise him, but of course she would, because he's alive and back to her now, and life will be better with, yeah. with John Clare at her side. But I, I thought it was quite interesting the reaction of him kind of going, but you don't understand, he's, an abomination, he, and he made me into a monster. The person that you see before you is a monster, and I've had to live with this and being unable to return to you. And she just kind of says, Well, yeah, I don't care. You're back. So Victor is a god to me almost, you know. Victor's someone to be thanked for what he's done. Uh, so just an interesting point to close off. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Moment. And I mean, that, that little snippet has a consequence. It uh, f- In the final episode yeah. and uh yeah it's it 's a really interesting thing because it ultimately um reverses um all that rejection that John Clare has had in the past where mm-hmm. he has to make the choice of rejection yeah um so it, it is a a very important moment um in in, in this episode where she Almost effuses about Victor in what he's been able to do and mm-hmm. thanks him for it. So, yeah, really, really interesting that's stuff. I, I
0: suppose Victor effectively is getting the praise that he always expected to get for, yeah. <laughs> for pe- piercing the veil between life and death, I suppose. So even though he's not there, he is getting praised from someone for his work. Yeah, um, That's my major note, but it is our podcast. We can choose to talk about another note. And yeah. I think we should. Yes, we have to, I think, um, for sure. Which really is... And I will fix this in post. Don't worry, John. Dorian is a fing, isn't he? Yes, he is. Um Dorian is at his most
1: dangerous when he gets bored, and uh, you know, he is getting very, very bored of Lily and her girls mm. um and, and what they ultimately want to do. And I think it gets teased out over the next few episodes, but this is kind of the the start of it here. Yeah. Um, you know, in fact, she even asks him after um, he, he's arranged for her to be kidnapped by Victor and Dr. Jekyll, um, you know, she asks him, Lily, uh, are you jealous? And he goes, no, I'm bored. Um, that's his response to Lily. Mm. And, um, you know, quite rightly she's massively angry. I I think the really interesting thing here is just the uh the 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 words that come from Dorian and effectively the sentiment of Dr. Jackal as well as Victor Frankenstein at this time uh were we're going to make you into a proper woman. Mm. It it really is that misogyny of saying we know how women should be. This is what you will become to fit our view what you are is something that doesn't fit our own perception of how women should be Um, and this this strong woman fueled by her pain of her past that has made her the person who she is and who wants to hold on to that because she realizes the importance of it being the the trials the tribulations that have brought her to this point where mm. she knows herself knows who she is, what she wants to be, and how she wants to behave. And what's added to that is, a, you know, a very striking image at the start with Lily at a cemetery commenting on a lady burying um, her, her baby yeah. uh, to yeah. find that she too had lost a child early. Uh, while still under 1 year of age and she was visiting uh, her daughter's grave mm-hmm. and this also um is is something that we didn't know about while she was Brona yeah. but over the course of the next few episodes you know in in this confined forced place that she's been brought to by Dorian and which Dr Jekyll and Victor are are impressing their own um knowledge and process on her with this serum yeah. to change her
0: i have to say i um, love that line in the cemetery when she's talking to the woman and saying to her the day a good woman will have to suffer the indignity of a starved child is almost over uh, taking it away from what's actually on the screen and what we're seeing and what's being said by dorian he's scared he's scared of what power lily has been able to surround herself with he's certainly i know he's saying to her that he's bored and he probably is a little bit bored of what's going on and a little bit bored of supporting these women that are going out and doing things in the city but i think he sees the tide turning like he says it and that's the name of the episode is ebb tide his line to her is we're at the ebb tide one of us needs to change their ways and it will be you not me um because I think he's scared. He's, he's, yeah. surre- you know, he's, he's in that house with all of the women who are there eating and feasting and partying effectively in the house altogether, feeling powerful. And when he goes to approach Lily for, you know, some kind of comfort or some kind of, uh, some of their relationship that they've had before, she turns him away because she wants to care for another one of the women that needs her help. And he feels completely left out of it and is confronted by Justine in one of my favorite moments yeah. of season three, um, that moment when you have Justine feeling epically confident in the face of Dorian and Dorian saying to Justine, you think, you know, sin, you're just learning the language. I wrote the book on it and she responding to him with, you know, there's a day your charm won't be enough. Uh, you wanted to kill her and you got her, you know. Um, they're having this battle of wills between yeah. the two of them. Uh, and you, it, it ends with that wonderful line from Dorian with the, you want to play with me, kitten, then show me your claws. Um, where you know that it's going to come down to a battle between Dorian and Justine. And if Lily's around, likely Justine will be, p- be protected from Dorian. Yes. So while it's while it's not something that he's saying, outright in the storyline and not something that he's actually saying when asked by lily he's saying i'm bored i wanted you to be better than this he actually feels like he's just a scared child being overrun by these powerful women who he's allowed to enter his home and the only way he can fix that is by kicking out lily and kicking out all of them i I think he's both
1: um and i only say that having watched episode nine Mm. as well i actually think he's both i I think you see the boredom when you have lily recounting the keen tradition from um from ireland with uh and, and the the story of the women being sort of persecuted by the church but going to their deaths, still keening um, and using their tradition so that it lives on uh, and it is uh, immortal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that to him is, is boredom. And I think we get the sense that, you know, he's lived through p- potential uh, revolutions mm-hmm. in the past and he just sees another one here and maybe he feels it's just not going to um be successful yeah uh, so there's a boredom there in terms of this i suppose endless cycle that dorian feels maybe he's going through
0: i think we've talked many times about the idea that people justify themselves that they hero of their own story and um, what he's listening to is hearing the story of these women rising up together uh, saying that they will sing as they are put to death for the things they're going to do and the instructions that are coming from lily to the to the gang of women are effectively describing dorian they're saying go out and find a bad man absolutely go out and find somebody that's cheating on their wife Go out and find somebody that's whoring around the city that is uh, treating women badly, and bring me his right hand. You know, she's sending them all out, and you can see it in Dorian's face is going. How quickly is going to turn to bring me Dorian's head? You exactly, know? and uh, but that's what
1: I mean. I, like I was going to say, but he is also threatened mm-hmm.
0: personally with Justine.
1: He sees someone who uh, he, you know, is this acolyte of Lily, yeah. and it, it's that moment where Lily decides maybe that he is dispensable Mm -hmm. um and so yes it's also about self-preservation for himself Uh, whether they could kill him i don't know um i suspect unless they know about the painting Mm -hmm. then he would probably be able to soak up a lot of damage um from from uh the combined attack by by all these women but um yes and i i think yes seeing um dorian's dining table centerpiece take a very dark turn you know the bowl of fruit replaced by the the mound of right hands from the the man i yes he is threatened and frightened as well
0: Mm mm-hmm absolutely actually we never really spoke about the power that he has remember he did have his ear grow back uh, he does he does look pristine now so yes if he had his right arm taken or his right hand taken most likely that would grow back right yeah exactly <laughs> so that's kind of it for that discussion because we will be talking more about Dorian and uh, and Lily and the story of Victor as well uh, as we go on through the rest of the episodes any other notes from this episode you want to talk about it's though?
1: just the conversation between Katrina Hartigan and, and Vanessa where mm. Katrina is is discussing That Dracula with with Vanessa Mm -hmm. Uh, and Vanessa has been reading all the tales and and so on and Katrina just goes these were done by small minded peasants and poets and theologians Uh, they made stuff up to fit their own fears Mm -hmm. Uh, you might as well read the bible for it's history like an idiot child (laughs) Um, but despite that she does say that some of the superstition correlates or you know it it is repeated uh, and it is the one where he dwells in the house of night creature is the moment that the penny drops for Vanessa, mm-hmm. uh, realizing that Dr. Sweet... Um, is, is this master who has been stalking her and, and makes her go, uh, to the Natural History Museum. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you, you get that great line then as Vanessa gives herself or gives her neck to, uh, Dr. Sweet. Uh, dare I say, it, Vanessa gets a nosh. <laughs> um, and do you accept me? He says. And she goes, I accept myself. Yeah. Um, and so it is, Almost about herself her her sort of submission yeah. to
0: uh, Dracula at this point, which yeah. I think is really interesting, yeah, I know we 've talked a couple of times about you know my love of the Idea of vampires and how they're treated in different mediums and that kind of stuff. And it has always struck me. I think we've talked about this before. And I can't remember whether it was something we talked about on the podcast, maybe in season one when they had the vampires. And it is that concept that always kind of rubbed me the wrong way with some tellings of the vampire tales where, you know, they can't cross across the threshold without being invited into a house or they can't be seen in mirrors or a cross on them burns them or, um, or they can't be seen in daylight, that kind of stuff where you're kind of going. Yeah, but would that make sense if you were to have it in the real world? You know, all of those failings, would that not mean that they could be easily trapped and easily killed? You know, the more of them that are layered on top of each other. Yeah. It always felt like, well, you know, you've got seven things here that that, that a vampire can't do. Well, how does he pass for human and get his victims then? So I love that about Katrina where she's going, yeah, but these are made up by people who are hoping that these are the things that could stop the vampire, but no real truth in there.
1: Yeah, exactly. It, it was great. You know, she dispels garlic. She dispels the cross. She mm-hmm. dispels, um, the, the reflection, the day walking yeah. and all this kind of thing. And uh, in that sense, it, it's really, really good. Yeah.
0: And it was season one where we talk about this because it was, it was because the master in the first season came in through her window without being invited in, into yeah. the, into the place. So that's where we had the discussion. Um, one touch I also liked in the episode that I thought was really interesting was before Vanessa goes to to meet Dr. Sweet. She touches the wall where the cross used to be uh, before leaving the house. Yeah. Uh, she just thought it was a nice little touchback and a reference. If you've seen every episode and remember every moment of every episode, you'd notice it. But, you may not because it's not like there's a mark of the cross on the wall or anything like that she just touches the wall where the cross used to be which I just thought was a nice touch for her yeah I think that's it I think that's the discussion about Tide. nice little episode it was wasn't it yeah really interesting now let us ebb our way into episode 8 absolutely we'll be back later in the week with our discussion about season 3 episode 8 Perpetual Night